They've been married for 30 years. He's a pioneer of Catholic lay evangelization, and she has a master's degree in theology. Put on the coffee and get ready to open the scriptures. It's time for Bible with the Barbers. Now, here's Terry and Mary Danielle. On this Friday, July the 23rd, 2021. Thank you for joining us. We thank all our supporters for all those who listen. Um, and uh, we want to invite everybody to take a look at our website, Virgin Most Powerful Radio. We have a conference coming up on August 7th, Sex and Honor. Dr. Uh, Louis Sandoval, I will also be one of the speakers, and there's another woman who's going to be speaking at that. So we're talking about human sexuality, the beauty of it, the dignity of it. And what was God's plan? What is God's plan? What continues to be his plan? So we ask you to join us, please. Uh, tell your friends and neighbors, uh, sign up for that conference, August 7th. Thank you to all of our supporters. Thank you all of those of you who pray for Virgin Most Powerful Radio Apostolate and who offer your sufferings for us. And also thank you for all of those of you who ask us questions. I know I don't always get to the questions the day you ask them, but I too try and get to them. And sometimes when your questions involve uh, technical difficulties, I do have to refer them to our technical team. But please, uh, thank you so much for your patience. I want to thank you for your patience and, and know that we do look at your questions and we take them seriously. And we do have technical difficulties from time to time, but we, we try and work those all out. So keep us in prayer. This is a work in progress. We're all, we don't live in a perfect world. So we thank God for the bumps in the road to remind us that we have a perfect, perfect heaven to look forward to for all eternity. So today we want to talk about um, the parable of the sower, the explained, for that's the gospel of the day, and how do we be good soil? And uh, there's some interesting things in the scripture here, New Testament, that uh, help us, give us some guidelines for being good soil for the Lord. So I want to dive into that today and, and open our minds and hearts to the word of God. May the angels assist us here. Sanctus, 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 Dominus Deus Sabaot, Pleni sunt celi et terra, Gloria tua, Hosanna in excelsis. Benedictus qui venit in nomine Domini, Hosanna in excelsis. So we have Matthew 13, 18 through 23, which is the reading for today. Now yesterday, Jesus in the gospel of Thursday of the 16th week in ordinary time told the parable of the sower. Now he explains it to his apostles. Jesus said to his disciples, Hear the parable of the sower. The seed sown on the path is the one who hears the word of the kingdom without understanding it. And the evil one comes and steals away what was sown in his heart. The seed sown on rocky ground is the one who hears the word and receives it at once with joy. But he has no root and lasts only a time. When some tribulation or persecution comes about, because of the word, he immediately falls away. The seed sown among thorns is the one who hears the word, but then worldly anxiety and the lure of riches choke the word, and it bears no fruit. But the seed sown on rich soil is the one who hears the word and understands it, who indeed bears fruit and yields a hundred or sixty or thirtyfold. The gospel of the Lord. So we want to ask the Lord to make us good seed, make us fertile soil. And um, we have the, the explanation here. It's interesting, Jesus didn't always explain the parables in those details, but he would explain them to his apostles. He continued, to, and so that's why the apostles would know the meaning 
even if he hadn't explained it fully to to the 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 crowds so in this parable okay jesus talked about the sower going out right so the word is the kingdom of god it's sown in our hearts it might be fruitful and it might be unfruitful um distractions come from many places right the world the flesh the devil and don't blame it all on the devil by the way <laughs> the devil doesn't need to make us do anything because of original sin we tend toward evil we tend to turn away from god so we have to make a real effort to turn ourselves back to god that's why we want to keep close to the scripture and close to jesus in the holy in the holy eucharist the blessed sacrament and prayer rosary every day the rosary yes the, the, the angelic salutation is addressed to Mary, hail full of grace, the Lord is with thee. But remember, those words came directly from God. Those words were given to the angel Gabriel by God. In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent by God to a town of Galilee named Nazareth, to a virgin betrothed to a man named Joseph of the house of David, and the virgin's name was Mary. So God is the one who gives the angel those words. So when we repeat those words, we're meditating on this mystery of God and how he works to bring about the salvation of mankind. So that's what the rosary is. So that's why it keeps us, and it keeps us close to Jesus, because who is the fruit of her womb? Jesus. He is the fruit of her womb. And so we're meditating on the salvation that was wrought for us by the Son of God, by taking to himself a human nature. So it's a tremendous mystery of our faith. It's, you know, first of all, that God is a trinity of persons, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. He's not a solitude. And then that the Son of God really became man. He really took to himself a human nature. <laughs> yes, he knew the limitations of a human nature. God, as Jesse and, and um, Paul were talking about at the end of the Terry and Jesse show, that, you know, it's not this... this cosmic chess match between good and evil between the light side and the dark side of the force no god is god satan is only a creature he has no power over god he had no power over jesus and god did not allow him to have any power over the blessed virgin mary that's revelation 12 when the woman when the when the when the serpent goes off to attack the woman god preserves her from the serpent he doesn't allow the serpent to attack her and so, but this is God's work and we want to meditate on it because we want it to become a part of us. We want it to become a part of us to the point that it changes us into living images of Christ. And this is why we meditate on the rosary, by the way. So we look at the gospel. So how do we fight this, the world, the flesh, and the devil? Well, as I said, read the scriptures, the Eucharist, go to mass, adore Jesus in the blessed sacrament, pray your rosary every day, which by the way, the rosary is a the mini meditation on the scriptures. That's what it is. It's meditating on the scriptures. And so the, the fruit is um, brought forth by the response of our heart. Okay. We have to respond. Yes. God goes and he sows the word. Our Lord Jesus Christ come and, and he sows the word in our heart. But are we un, do we lack understanding? Well, if we lack understanding, let's ask the Lord for understanding. Open our minds and hearts. Lord, we're sinful people. Sin darkens the intellect. It weakens the will. Yeah, I don't understand the things of God. God's ways are not my ways, and his thoughts are not my thoughts. Higher than, you know, as, as high as the heavens are above the earth are God's ways above my ways and his thoughts above my thoughts. Was it the prophet Isaiah? It comes from the prophet. You can find it. <laughs> Just look those words up in the scripture. 
You know, God's ways are not my ways and his thoughts are not my thoughts. But we want to make our ways to be in accordance with God's ways. It's not about, I want God on my side. It's about, and Abraham Lincoln, during the Civil War, somebody said, well, I hope God is on our side. And Abraham Lincoln responded, I hope we're on God's side. <laughs> A man of wisdom. It's not about wanting God to be on my side. I'm right. I know I'm right. I just want God to side with me. No, it's about, Lord, what is it you want me to do? How do you want me to respond? So open my mind to understand. So I'm not one of those people who I hear the word, I have no understanding and pew, the devil comes and snatches it away. Well, what else can happen? You know, you have the, the, the people who hear without understanding and the devil snatches it away. Or you have, um, you know, the people, the seed that's sown among, on the path, and excuse me, on the rocky soil, so it's rocky soil. It has no root. So when you hear the word of God, you need to let it, we need to let it take root within us. That's why we have to spend time in prayer. It can't take root in us if we don't spend time with God who sows the seed. And, and we also need to ask him to remove the rocks from our heart, the hardness from our heart that keeps us from allowing the word to sink in. So the rocky soil yeah, the seed sprouts up right away, but it's not going to last. It, it, it's going to die real fast, right? He hears it and the, immediately receives it, but he has no root, so he can't endure. So we want to ask the Lord to um, give us understanding. We want to ask him to remove the rocks from our soil and give us that uh, um, ability to, to endure, to endure, you know, being a saint is simple. Following God is simple. It's not easy. It's not easy. It's not rocket science. You don't have to be, you know, the most intelligent person in the world. You don't have to know everything. You don't have to, you just have to love. Love with all your heart and mind and soul, with all your strength and will. That's the key. And, and to allow that word to sink in. So we ask God to remove the obstacles that keep the word from sinking in so that so it will sink in and it will have root. So it won't be so it won't just die when the sun comes up, you know. So then you have this the the soil that. Um, so, so you have the, the seed that fell among the thorns, right? So here's the word. But the cares of the world and delight in riches choke the word. Oh, you mean money can be a problem? Remember, money's not the root of all evil. It's the desire for money that's the root of all evil. <laughs> Scripture says it's the desire for money. The cares of this world can choke God's word out of our heart. The desire for wealth chokes the word of God. Remember the rich young man. He came to Jesus. He kept the commandments. What else is lacking in order for me to be perfect? Go and sell what you have and give it to the poor. Come follow me. So we'll look at this passage a little more and then we're going to look at some other passages that show us further and more deeply how to become fruitful soil so that the word of God can grow in our lives. Thank you for joining us on Bible with the Barbers. Don't go away. We'll be back with more right after this break.
Now, back to Bible with the Barbers. If you have a question or comment, call 888-526-2151. Here's Terry and Mary Danielle. Well, Terry's not with me today. He's um, coming back from the Napa conference. He went to the Napa conference. He said it was wonderful. He said they, they, a lot of masses being offered on the site. Uh, I believe he said 120 masses over the course of four days. So lots of graces flowing. Eucharistic adoration, benediction. Thank you, God. Praise God. The Lord is being praised. He's being worshiped. He's being adored. And this is what we need to do. So we want to be good, that good soil. We don't want to be the, the rocky soil. We don't want to be the, the we don't want to be the footpath. We don't want to be the rocky soil. We don't want to be the seed that falls. We don't want to be the brambles where the seed falls among the brambles. We want to be fruitful soil. And, and of course, this is, this is not, unless we become puffed up with pride, <laughs> St. Paul said, after having received all these revelations, the, the Lord gave me a thorn in the flesh, an angel of Satan to tempt me, lest I become puffed up with pride. Um, Paul writes in one of his letters, it is God who begets in us any measure of desire or accomplishment. So the fruitfulness, the fruitfulness of the soil is brought about by God's grace, but he needs us to cooperate. Now, one of the things that Terry was, uh, some people wanted him to discuss while he was up there was the, the idea of quietism, where we sit back and we said, oh no, God does everything, God does everything. I don't have to do anything. I just, just say, oh Lord, 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 Lord. And remember Jesus said, not all those who cry, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. We have to put into practice everything God teaches us. We have to do the work that God puts before us, and we need to root sin out of our lives. You know, God offers us the grace. Do we cooperate? You know, one of the things we pray for and, and the, is, is to avoid the near occasion of sin. Well, why? You know, if I'm an alcoholic, I don't go to the bar, and I don't go to the liquor section in the store. I, I buy groceries, but I avoid any, you know, alcohol because I'm an alcoholic. I can't do that. Um, we need to avoid the near occasion of sin. If I'm having trouble with pornography on the internet, I need to put the, what is it, covenant eyes on my computer. I need to put up firewalls. I need, or I need to get rid of it. I need to destroy the computer for the sake of our souls, okay? We want to be fruitful soil, but we can't be fruitful soil if our souls are filled with sin. And um, we need to weed the sin out. You know, that's Catholics, we have the, that great privilege of confession. And it is a great privilege. It's a gift from God. God is the one who instituted confession. Jesus Christ established it. And he gave his, his bishops, the, the first bishops, on the night of the resurrection, he breathed on them in John 20. And he said, receive the Holy Spirit. Whose sins you shall forgive, they are forgiven them. We can go to confession and have our sins forgiven. And so we do. And we don't have to wait till we commit a mortal sin. We can go, we can have confession. We, can, can, we only have to confess mortal sins, but we can confess venial sins. Because we want to have the strength. Confession isn't just about cleansing us. It's about strengthening us against temptation and, and getting to the root of what's leading us towards sin so we can weed that out of our life. <clears throat> so Jesus wants us to be that fruitful soil. But again, you know, the fruit, that fruit image is, is common in the Bible. And it means the good works and faithfulness that flow from God's grace. Okay, these flow from God's grace. And you compare with Psalm 1, 1 through 3, Jeremiah 17, 10, the Gospel of John 15, 15, Galatians 5, 22 through 23, and also here in Matthew 7, 17 and 12, 33. All of these passages refer to this, that this fruitfulness, 
it's this faithfulness to God's grace and allowing his grace to take root in us and bear its fruit. And um, also that the good works, God gives us good works to do. Remember when he talks about the last judgment and what has he said? I was hungry and you gave me to eat. I was thirsty and you gave me to drink. I was naked and you clothed me. I was away from home and you welcomed me. I was in prison and sick and you visited me. Lord, when did we do any of this? Whenever you did it to the least of my brothers, you did it for me. Come, you blessed of my father and receive the kingdom prepared for you. And when we don't do those things, Jesus says to those who didn't do them, out of my sight, you condemned. So there is, yeah, good works are part of believing the gospel. It's not that we put our faith in the works, but the works flow from love. What was the first commandment? I am the Lord, your God. You shall not have strange gods before me. So how do we become this fruitful soil, right? Well, it's interesting. What do we know about that first commandment? The first commandment is, I, the first three commandments of the Decalogue, okay, God revealed the Decalogue, which is interesting. The first reading for today's Mass is the Decalogue, the Ten Commandments. So you have the first three commandments, I am the Lord your God, you shall not have strange gods before me. Do not take the name of the Lord your God in vain. And remember to keep holy the Sabbath day. But all of those commandments are summed up in one. What? And that was, hear, O Israel, the Lord is your God, the Lord alone. Therefore, you shall love the Lord your God with your whole heart, your whole mind, your whole soul, with your whole strength and will. So we love God with our whole being. And that sums up the first three commandments. And then Jesus said, what? The second commandment is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. The other seven of the Ten Commandments are included in that love your neighbor as yourself, right? Honor your father and your mother. Do not kill. Do not commit adultery. Do not steal. Do not bear false witness against your, neighbors, against your neighbor. Do not covet your neighbor's wife and do not covet your neighbor's good. All of those can be summed up in love your neighbor as yourself. And Jesus explains this in the gospel. This isn't my opinion. This is what Jesus tells us in the gospel. So when he's giving this parable of the sower and the seed, yeah, here I am sowing the seed. I'm sowing the word of God. So what do you need to do? You need to keep the Ten Commandments. He didn't dismiss those. But the Ten Commandments are summed up in those two. You love the Lord your God with your whole heart, mind, soul, strength, your whole will, and you love your neighbor as yourself. And the interesting thing is, at the Last Supper, Jesus added a new aspect to love your neighbor. He said, love one another as I, Jesus, as Jesus has loved you. So now he's telling us we have to love one another as he loved us. And that was Trez of Lezus said, but Lord, I can't love the way you love unless you will lend me your heart. So Lord, lend me your heart with which to love my neighbor so I can love my neighbor as you've commanded me to love. So we love one another and we love one another in a service of love. And the church is full of examples of that. And Mother Teresa of Calcutta, she went, up to, went out into the streets of Calcutta and picked up the dying. These people were considered in the Indian culture as untouchable. And she picked them up and she let them know that they were loved by God. She just wanted to introduce them to God's love before they died. You know, someone once said to her, Mother, If you give a man a fish, you can feed him for a day. But if you teach him to fish, you can feed him for a lifetime. And Mother Teresa responded, well, you teach them to fish. 
I'm picking up the dying out of the streets. They can't go fishing. I will feed them fish. And most of all, I will love them. And that's what, when Bishop Sheen met Mother Teresa, he asked, he said, Mother, you've personally evangelized 15,000 people. This was early on in her work. What did you say to them? And she said, I don't say anything to them. I love them. I love them. And then I do ask them a question. Do you know Jesus? And they say, oh, no, Mother. But is he anything like you? (laughs) And she says, no, no. But I try to be like him. And then they say, oh, Mother, I want to know Jesus. So you see, when we really love like Jesus loves, people will want to know him. There's another priest, a venerable, Father Aloysius Schwartz. And he did something very similar, but in Korea. He went to Korea as an ordained priest after the Korean War to help the poverty-stricken people, and especially the orphans in the streets. And he built the single largest private aid to the poor organization that existed in the world. It began as the Korean Relief Society, became the Asian Relief Society, is now the World Villages of Children. But the money goes directly to the poor because he founded two orders, the Sisters of Mary and the Brothers of Christ, and they work directly with the poor. They live with the poor. (laughs) They serve the poor. They don't have their little convent to go to. They live with the poor. It's beautiful. And, and that's, so you can read his story. He wrote a book called Killing Me Softly. He's, he has quite a few writings that, that they have. The Sisters of Mary have his writings. But Killing Me Softly is Father Aloysius Schwartz's autobiography. He died of Lou Gehrig's disease. That's the title of the book. But then there's a book out by Ignatius, and it's called Priest and Beggar. And I don't remember the name of the author, but if you look up Priest and Beggar, you'll find it. It's the story of Aloysius Schwartz, Father Aloysius Schwartz. He's now venerable. But the reality that, that, that they live out the gospel, but all of that flows from their love for God. They fell in love with God. Mother Teresa, Father Aloysius, fell in love with God and completely gave themselves over to him to say, Lord, do in me whatever you want to do. So first thing to, to, um, keeping, to being that fertile soil is to live those Ten Commandments. They're not ten suggestions. They're not optional Uh, It's not, oh, I'll keep one, two, five or something. No, it's all of them. By the grace of God, we can do this. And they're all summed up in the two laws of love that are their foundation. Love is their foundation. And I wanted to look a little bit. The priest in uh, in a sermon last Sunday mentioned the letter to Jude. The letter to Jude is very, very short. It's, It's one chapter, right? One chapter, 25 verses, I believe. We've got here 25 verses. And Jude is warning Christians against false teachers. And this is another thing we have to do to live this gospel, to be fertile soil. We have to know the teachings of Christ and have them so rooted in us that we will recognize false teaching and reject it. Okay, St. Jude says, Jude, a servant of Jesus Christ, the brother of James, to those who are called Beloved in God, the Father, and kept for Jesus Christ, may mercy, peace, and love be multiplied to you. Beloved, being very eager to write to you of our common salvation, I found it necessary to write, appealing to you to contend for the faith 
which was once for all delivered to the saints. For admission has been secretly gained by some who long ago were destined for this condemnation, ungodly persons who pervert the grace of our God into licentiousness and deny our only Master and Lord Jesus Christ. And Father said, does that sound like that was written 2,000 years ago? That sounds like it was written yesterday. What's happened here? We are supposed to, first of all, we've received a common salvation, a common salvation in Jesus Christ, and we are supposed to contend for the faith that was once for all delivered to the saints. We call that the sacred deposit of faith. The church was entrusted with the sacred deposit of faith that was given to it by Jesus Christ. The scriptures the liturgical life of the church, and the living tradition. The living tradition. You know, what did Paul say? Hold fast to what I have handed on to you, whether by word of mouth or by writing. I hear the music again. This just goes too fast. (laughs) We don't have a perfect world. We renounce our perfect paradise. God is so good. I want to thank all of our listeners, all our supporters. Keep us in your prayers. And uh, if you have questions, Don't forget to send them in, and I'll try and answer them as soon as I can. I promise. I'll be right back. Don't go away. Now, back to Bible with the Barbers. If you have a question or comment, call 888-526-2151. Here's Terry and Mary Danielle. Welcome back. Terry's not here this Friday, but hopefully we'll be back in the studio again next Friday. Please, God, hear our prayer. So the letter of Jude, and Jude is telling us that, that there are people who have gained admission secretly, and they did it in order to pervert the grace of God into licentiousness. They're trying to say that we can do anything we want with our body, and it doesn't really matter. It doesn't bother God at all. As long as, as, long as we keep saying in our heart, oh, but Lord, I love you. As long as we say in our spirit, oh, Lord, I love you. And it's like, no, honey, we're not, we're not. We're not a, a body over here and a, and a spirit over here. We're a body spirit component. Man is body, you know, body and soul. That is a single component. It all works together, you know. But the flesh militates against the spirit, and the spirit militates against the flesh. And so the flesh has to be brought into subjection, and it has to be taught. But not like you cow an animal. A cowed animal, by the way, <laughs> will turn on you as soon as it senses in you any sign of weakness. If you gentle an animal, get the animal to trust you, it will follow you wherever you go and it will never turn on you. But if you just beat it into submission, and this is one of the difficulties, you know, are we just beating our bodies into submission? Are we treating them like, well, yeah, you're just, you're just some appendage I need to throw off. It's my spirit I need to free. And no, that's, that's Platonism. That's not the Christian teaching. The Christian teaching is God made man, body, soul, you know, soul and spirit. That's what Paul says, body, soul, and spirit. That we're a component, we're a composite being. We're not angels, we're pure spirits, but we're not just animals who don't have an immortal soul. We're humans made in the image and likeness of God and that we serve God in our bodies and that whatever we do in our bodies does affect whether or not we're going to go to heaven or hell. And James is warning, he's giving a warning here that the the people who pervert the gospel are actually going to go to hell if they don't change. And that was uh, years ago at the HLI conference. Someone, Monsignor William Smith was answering a question and it had, I don't know, I don't remember exactly what the question was, but his answer was, you know, 
the bishops from the northeast of the United States of America were having their ad limina visit with Pope John Paul II. And a group of them was having lunch with the Holy Father. And as they're eating their lunch, a prominent prelate from the East Coast said to the Holy Father, but Holy Father, there's so much invincible ignorance out there that certainly the people are not going to hell. Well, the Holy Father put down his soup spoon and he looked around at the bishops and he said, well, uh, there is much ignorance out there. He dropped the adjective that the bishop had used. And because of the ignorance, the people might not go to hell. But the priests and the bishops responsible for that ignorance most certainly will go to hell. We need to pray. Paul exhorted us to pray for our political leaders. How much more do we need to pray for our spiritual leaders that they will be faithful to the gospel and that they will not compromise with the world, the flesh, and the devil, that they won't become unfertile soil? Because if they do and souls are going to hell on account of them not teaching us the faith, they're they're condemning themselves to hell by not doing their duties as bishops and priests. Pray for our priests and bishops. Pray for those who are raised up to lead us in the church and in the world so that we can live peaceful, harmonious lives in accordance with God's holy will. That's the purpose. So Jude is warning here that we as Christians are going to have to fight for the faith. We have to watch out for people who come among us saying, oh, well, take it easy. It's okay. You deserve a break today. Have it your way. God understands. That's not the gospel Jesus Christ preached. Not the gospel he preached. Paul writes in the letter to the Ephesians in chapter 4, verses 1 through 7. He says, brethren, I, a prisoner for the Lord, exhort you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling which you have received. Walk in a manner worthy of the calling which you have received with all humility and meekness and patience, bearing with one another in love, careful to preserve the unity of the spirit in the bond of peace. One body, one spirit, even as you were called to a single hope in your calling, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is above all and through all and in all. But to each one of us, grace was given according to the measure of Christ's imparting. We have different roles to play in the spreading of the gospel. We have different roles to play in the church. Priests don't have more power than us. It's not about power. It's not a power struggle. This isn't a class struggle. It's about trying to overcome sin in our life and become the person Jesus wants us to be. He only called men to the priesthood. That's not a problem. He's called us all to sanctity. He called us all to be saints. He calls us all to live in union with himself. That's why he became man. So he could redeem our human nature and unite it to himself and unite all of us to himself through his body. And remember, the church is his mystical body. You know, and individually, we are members thereof. And each member of the body has a different role to play. 
you know, not everybody's the head. You couldn't have a, if all you had a body that was just a head, uh, oops. Well, what if you had a body that was just feet? Uh, something's not right here. You know, no, all the parts of the body are necessary. And so we have to be watchful for those who are not teaching us the truth. And we have to be watchful of those who tell us that we can just um, do anything we want and that God's going to put a stamp of approval on it. It's not about that. Remember, Jesus Christ came to die. Last week, we talked about the victory in Christ. And, and how is this victory in Christ won? Through the passion of our Lord. The victory of Christ is gained for us by the death of Christ, but not just his death, not just his passion and death, his resurrection and his glorification. Death is not the end of the story, but we need to carry our cross along with him. If anyone wishes to come after me, the Lord said, let him renounce himself, take up his cross daily and follow after me. It is only in following Christ that we can be assured that we will gain eternal salvation. If we are making our own way to heaven, remember, that's what the people of the time were doing at the Tower of Babel. They were going to build a tower of heaven so they could get to heaven without God's help. Adam and Eve were going to know good and evil without God telling them. They were going to decide what was good and evil. Have it your way. I'm building a stairway to heaven. No, honey. God already built the stairway to heaven, the cross of Jesus Christ. That is the link between heaven and earth. But it's not just the cross because it's not just about death. Jesus rose from the dead. He didn't stay dead. He's alive. He's alive and I'm forgiven. He is alive. In heaven, the victim who immolated himself lives for all eternity, his act of immolated love. Look at Revelation 5. The lamb who was slain, Jesus Christ, the lamb of God, who was slain for the sheep, still bears his scars in heaven. The lamb was standing, looking as though he had been slain. Remember the lion of the tribe of Judah conquered? But the lion of the tribe of Judah was a sacrificial lamb who had been slain, but yet lives. And he lives to make intercession before the Father. And we're called to live this life with him. We're called to bear the cross. And he's given us examples of those who followed him unreservedly. First, his mother. When the angel Gabriel came to her, what did she say? Let it be to me according to thy word. When she tells Jesus at the wedding feast of Cana that they have no more wine, and Jesus says, what to me is to thee, my hour has not yet come. She turns to the servants and what does she say? Do whatever he tells you. And she says that to us today. She says that to every person of every time and place. Do whatever he tells you. Turn to my son and ask him what you are to do. Jesus didn't reprimand his mother. He wasn't putting her down. He was revealing to her her role beside him as someone who would suffer with him. If I work this miracle now, mother, you're going to walk beside me in my passion. Are you ready? 
And she turned to the servants and said, do whatever he tells you, which was saying to her son, I'm ready for whatever you want me to do. Did she know everything? No, she walked by faith. Mary walked by faith. She walked by faith. She didn't always know what was coming. She didn't always know the extent to which she would suffer. But at every moment, she renewed her fiat. Be it to me according to your word. Be it done to me according to your word. And this is what we want to do. We imitate Mary. That's why we look to her. Because she never said no to God. Never. And then we have St. Joseph, who's also a model. St. Joseph's there in the gospel. And St. Joseph has a great trial. He knows that Mary's pregnant. He knows he's not the father of the baby. But he also knows that Mary's a virgin. He knows her. And she has, he's married to her. They're betrothed. He had to know that she took a vow of virginity. He would have considered the possibility that she had been raped. But he would have rejected it based on her demeanor and her peace of soul. He might have considered her possibility of her being unfaithful, but there was no sign that her faith in God had wavered at all, or her love for God, or her love for him. It's like, no, she hasn't been unfaithful. I've got a pregnant virgin on my hands. Joseph has a trial, but he looks to God for the answer. He makes a decision about what he might do, as he thinks he needs to, but he waits on God. Are we waiting on God or are we trying to do it ourselves? God is the answer. We follow Christ to the cross. Enjoy looking focused on the resurrection. We'll be right back with more. Now back to Bible with the Barbers. If you have a question or comment, call 888-526-2151. Here's Terry and Mary Danielle. Welcome. Welcome to the Bible with the Barbers. Thank you, our listeners. Thank you, Stations Across Radio, for picking up our signal. Thank you uh, to Rumble and um, Facebook. And also remember our app, free app, and and our own website, Virgin Most Powerful Radio. Um, Remember to sign up for the um, Sex and Honor Conference, which is coming up August 7th. That's a couple weeks from now. I think it's two weeks from today. Because today's the 23rd. So, um, yeah, yeah, we're, we're, we're two weeks away. So get ready, sign up, bring your friends, bring your family. So we're talking about the, the models who show us the way. And we talked about some current people, you, you know, modern day saints, but also Blessed Mother and St. Joseph. And um, in his apostolic letter, Patris Corday, December 8th, 2020, Pope Francis writes about St. Joseph. And he says, just as God told Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid, Matthew 120. So he seems to tell us, do not be afraid. We need to set aside all anger and disappointment and to embrace the way things are, even when they do not turn out as we wish, not with mere resignation, but with hope and courage. In this way, we become open to a deeper meaning. Our lives can be miraculously reborn if we find the courage to live them in accordance with the gospel. We want to live in accordance with the gospel, right? God is greater than our hearts. He knows everything. So even if our hearts were to condemn us, 1 John 3.20 tells us God is greater than our hearts. 
We need to trust in God. Even when we say, take our sins to God, he can forgive our sins. And Paul writes, we know that all things work together for the good for those who love God. Romans 8.20. And further on in that letter, the Pope writes, even though, even through, even through Joseph's fears, even through his fears, God's will His history and his plan were at work. Joseph then teaches us that faith in God includes believing that he can work even through our fears, our frailties, our weaknesses. He also teaches us that amid the tempests of life, we must never be afraid to let the Lord steer our course. At times, we want to be in complete control. But God sees the bigger picture. We need to let God have control. Remember Paul asked that this thorn in the flesh be removed? And Jesus tells him, Paul, my grace is sufficient. Until Paul comes to the point where he says, I willingly rejoice in my weakness. For in my weakness, it's there that the power of God shines forth. When I am weak, I am strong because it is God who is strong in me. It is the strength of Christ. So we are called to live the gospel, to really live it in full trust, in full faith, hope, and charity. And we need to be vigilant about our faith. We're talking today about being fruitful soil. How do we be fruitful soil? Well, Jesus told us to feed the hungry, give drink to the thirsty, clothe the naked, visit the imprisoned, visit the sick, shelter the homeless. We pray also as a way of being fruitful. We have to be in union with God because it's God who begets in us any measure of desire or accomplishment. We have to be in touch with God's will. We need to read the scriptures. We need to read the writings of the saints because the saints show us the way. They are our older brothers and sisters in Christ who have walked the way, the arduous path of keeping in God's will throughout their whole life. Okay, we have this beautiful letter of St. Jude that gives us a stern warning and a stern warning to any, anyone who wants to distort the gospel. Jesus revealed the gospel to us. Jesus is the gospel. He's the good news. Okay, remember for the, for the Catholic Christian, for Vatican II, verbum, yeah, verbum domine, dei verbum, excuse me, Dei verbum, dei verbum, the word of God. The word of God is first and foremost the second person of the blessed trinity, the son of God. Okay. In the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. You see, God is not a solitude unto himself. He's a trinity of persons. We wouldn't know that God was a father except that his son revealed the father to us. So we know that God is father because The Son came and revealed the Father and the Spirit. And we know that God is Spirit. And we know that God is a trinity of persons because the second person of the Blessed Trinity revealed the Trinity to us. And so we know God because God revealed himself to us. And we have to be faithful to that revelation. It's not for us to rewrite the revelation or reinterpret it. We need to be faithful. The church was given a sacred deposit of faith. And that's what the letter of Jude is warning and telling us. 
Jesus gave us a sacred deposit of faith. And we, Catholic Christians, the lay people, we need to tell teachers who are not teaching us the truth. That's not the truth. That's not what the gospel says. We want the gospel. We want the truth of Jesus Christ. We want the fullness of the teaching that Jesus gave. We don't want a watered-down version. We don't want to be told that we can live in licentiousness and still get to heaven because that's a lie. And, and Scripture makes that very, very clear. It's not just the letter of Jude who's warning us against people who are, you know, teaching us that licentious is okay, okay? We have se several, that, you know, the problem of uh, shirking the moral responsibilities of the gospel, uh, it's, it's, it has a name. It's called antinomianism. <laughs> antinomianism, I think is how you say it. And this was the target of several apostolic warnings. Look at Romans 6.15, Galatians 5.13, and 1 Peter 2.16. Okay? So these people that St. Jude is writing about are, per, are, are perverting the gospel, and they're promoting licentious living. Well, isn't that what's going on in our world today? Not just our world, but unfortunately even in the church. The hatred for children the refusal to stand strongly against the culture of death, the contraceptive mentality that children are a burden to the point where we won't even condemn abortion outright, where we won't even say that any person who publicly supports and promotes abortion has cut themselves off for Christ, from Christ, has cut themselves off from Christ and is no longer able to receive the sacraments. You, we can't receive the sacraments in the state of mortal sin. Promoting the death of innocent people is a sin that cries out to heaven for vengeance. The sin against Abel, remember? His blood cried out from the soil for vengeance. Cain killed Abel simply out of jealousy. Why are we killing the children? Jesus said, let the little children come to me. When you go to church on Sunday, do you give dirty looks to parents whose children are there making a little noise? Do you make parents feel like their little babies have to be more adult than the adults sitting in the pew? Let the little children come unto me. One translation says, suffer the little children to come unto me. Even the disciples, the apostles tried to chase the children and their mothers away. And Jesus said, no. And still today, mothers and children are being chased out of church. How dare you bring that child into church? That child can't sit still. This is an adult religion. I remember reading that when I was taking theology in, in my undergraduate studies at a Catholic university. I'm thinking an adult religion? Jesus said, unless you become like little children, you cannot enter the kingdom of heaven. So, you know, we're children. We're God's children. Dearly beloved, we are God's children now. What we will later be has not yet been revealed, but when it is, we will be like him, not him. We won't be God, but we will be like him for we shall see him as he is. We will always be God's creature. But dearly beloved children, we're his children. And so how often are we hearing sermons that promote the true gospel, that tell us that marriage is indissoluble, a union between one man and one woman for life and open to children. Now, none of us has a right to have children. Children are a blessing from the Lord. 
Children are a gift from the Lord, a blessing, the fruit of the womb. Like the arrows in the quiver of the warrior. Oh, the happiness of the man who has filled his quiver with this arrow. Does that mean we condemn people who only had one child? No. Not as long as that was what God's plan was. If we deliberately choose to only have one child, if we deliberately choose to only have two children, if we deliberately choose to have, well, I had my six, that's it, I'm done. No, we can't deliberately choose a number of children we're going to have. That's not being open to God's plan. It's like, okay, you know, you want to make God laugh, show him your plans. Lord, this is what I think I would like. Okay, I would like to just have this many children. But you know what? I'm open, Lord. I'm open to whatever you send. And I will accept more children if you send more. And I will accept them willingly and lovingly. By the way, when we buy into the contraceptive mentality, when people use contraceptives in their marriage, when people abort their children, it leads to licentiousness. Because you lose the meaning and dignity of the human person. We were made in God's image as persons to be loved. And we were made for union and procreation. We were made for love and life. The procreation part, we be open to life. God gives the blessing of children. Only God can infuse an immortal soul into a human being. Okay? I can't make an immortal soul. God made my children. But we're living in a licentious age. And if, if the purpose of sex becomes pleasure, which by the way is not what the scripture says, there's nowhere in scripture that it says that or even indicates that, then it becomes licentiousness. And I can do anything I want. But that's not its purpose. Its purpose is union and procreation. And we have to look seriously at the gospel. Jesus reiterated the teaching on no divorce. Remember the apostles, they ask him, the Pharisees ask him, and he reiterates it. And you know what? This is coming to an end. <laughs> that is the show. But I want, to, I want to emphasize here today, we become fertile soil by living in the will of God. And we live in the will of God through prayer, through mortifying our flesh for the love of God, through keeping the Ten Commandments, and through serving our neighbor for love of God. So let love rule in our hearts. The love of God take deep root in us and make us fertile soil. Make us fruitful for the kingdom of God. That God's name be glorified, that his will be done, and his kingdom come. Thank you for joining us. Please join us again next week. Like this podcast, share it with your friends and family. Continue to support us with your financial donations through our, through our website or through calling 877-526-2151. We hope to see you again next week and maybe next time Carrie will be in studio with me. But time will tell. We'll see what God has in mind. Love to all of you. Keep us in prayer. And may God richly reward you. Amen.